Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Floss Weekly is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Floss Weekly with Randall Schwartz and Dan Lynch. Episode 174 for July 13th, 2011 in Nano CMS. This episode of Floss Weekly is brought to you by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies on your PC, Mac, iPad, iPhone, or TV instantly. All stream directly to you, saving you time, money, and hassle. For your free 30-day trial, go to netflix.com slash twit. It's time for Floss Weekly, the show about free, libre, open-source software. I am your host. Yes, it's me again. Back again, taking the big mic, holding down the position of host for the show, Floss Weekly. Been away in Brazil for a couple of weeks, but I'll talk more about that at the end of the show. But uh, joining me again this week, one of my favorite people, because he's a frequent co-host of this show. That's not why he's one of my favorite people, but welcome back, Dan. Dan Lynch joins us again. Hi, great to be back. Great to be back. Very good, very good. Well, if you're looking on the video, you may notice I am sitting next to my Blue Yeti. I, you haven't seen that probably in like 20 episodes because I haven't been taping Floss Weekly while I'm in Portland. I'm back again in L.A., but this time I dragged, dragged, drug, dragged? I took this thing with me on the plane. It's eight and a half pounds. I brought it down here since I'm down here more often in L.A. than I am back in Portland. Now I can use my Big Blue Yeti here again, and I can start working on some more of the other things I wanted to do with my Big Blue Yeti. Uh, and uh, just back from Brazil, as I said, we're going to talk a little bit more about that at the end of the show. Uh, oh, one other thing. Dan, Dan, does the name PG Tips mean anything to you? Yeah, it's tea. It's, um, in, it's uh, an English uh, tea manufacturer. Well, I, somebody here locally at work uh, got me turned on to this stuff, and I cannot drink anything <laughs> else now. It is delicious. <laughs> I'm not getting sponsored by that. I'm just saying, oh, my God, this stuff. I don't know. Where, where's this been all my life? <laughs> is that, is that Excellent. Some, have you had some of that before, I presume? Yeah, it's very popular here. It's one of the, um, I don't know, three or four major brands in the U.K., so um, I'll try and smuggle some over for you next time. Uh, next yeah, well, time yeah, I can get out that way. You can get them at the store down the street, so it's, not, it's actually pretty well imported here, but I'm just having a great time yeah. with that. So, uh, but before we get into that, I mean, this show's not just us about reminiscing and things, so let's, uh, we'll save that for the end of the show. Uh, I wanted to bring on, or I wanted to introduce our guest. Our guest today is Neil Gompa, who is with the Inano CMS Project. Now, you may be saying, oh my God, another CMS. No, uh, this, this particular CMS has some interesting, unique features, and we'll get into that as we go through the show. But uh, Neil's the, sort of the marketing arm of the uh, project, and uh, we'll talk to us about how the history of the project and uh, what you can use it for, why is it different from most other CMSs, things like that. We'll bring him on in just a minute, but uh, before we do that, one more quick thing. You may notice I'm wearing a slightly different colored shirt. You know I love Scotty Vest. I do Scotty Vest stuff all the time. Well, I'm constantly Scotty Vest when I'm on the road. Scotty Vest has these great new comfortable shirts. These are really great. They come in four colors. And, uh, but this actually has a zipper. So there's, there's three zippers on this shirt. And it, you know, it's a nice comfortable polo shirt. I really like these things. I've been wearing them for like the last couple of weeks and just, uh, just loving it. So um, again, Scotty Vest doesn't sponsor me either. I'm just saying these things work. If you're a traveler, check these stuff out. Uh, I, I am in the catalog though. So that's the only thing I can say. I am going to be in the upcoming <laughs> catalog because I got a picture taken of me at Machu Picchu while I was wearing some Scotty Vest stuff. So anyway, enough on that. Uh, but before we get into that, let's talk about Netflix. As soon as I push the right button here. There. There's a bit. All right. So uh, this episode of Floss Weekly is brought to you by Netflix. 
uh, uh, Netflix streams thousands of TV episodes and movies directly to you instantly, which means you save time, money, and hassle. There are several easy ways to instantly access streaming movies and TV shows with Netflix. You can watch Netflix movies and TV shows on your Mac or PC or iPad or iPhone. Uh, you can watch on your iPhone and some Android phones, too. Now, if you have a gaming console, an Xbox 360, a PS3, or a Nintendo Wii, uh, you can watch Netflix right on your TV. I have the PS3. It does really well with Netflix. Uh, works really fine for that when it's not uh, crunching, folding at home for me. Um, if you're not a gamer, you can watch Netflix on your TV with an Apple TV or a Roku box. I have a Roku, and it works really great there as well. Inexpensive, easy to use. With Netflix, you can watch movies and TV shows instantly using any of these devices, and you can begin watching a movie or show on one device, then finish on a different one. I've done that a number of times. Uh, whichever way you want to choose to access Netflix, you can watch as many movies or TV shows as you want, anytime you want, and you can cancel anytime. So try Netflix today for 30 days for free. Go to netflix.com slash twit, T-W-I-T, and be sure to use that URL when you sign up for your free trial, netflix.com slash twit. We thank Netflix for their support of twit, and we hope you enjoy watching instantly with Netflix. And now, let's go ahead and bring on our guest. Welcome, Neil. Hello. Hey, hey, uh, good to have you on the show. Where are we speaking to you from? Um, I'm at my home in Clinton, Mississippi. Clinton, Mississippi. Wow, cool. I don't think I've ever been over there. I think I've flown over there a few times, but that's uh, pretty much as close as I've gotten. Um, And uh, so I gave sort of an intro as best I could to, uh, and I don't even think I pronounced it right, Nano CMS right at the beginning, but why don't we start with what's the... Excuse me? Go ahead. Um, It's a nano. It's Spanish. It means small, midget, whatever. Uh, Uh, Okay, that, that sounds good. Well, I gave us sort of an intro to it at the beginning of the show, so why don't you sort of say what problem you're solving with it and how Inano uh, takes care of that. Okay, well, um, Inano kind of started uh, between Dan and myself as a way to replace my absolutely horrible website that I had in 2006. It was running off of this distribution of PHPBB called Fully Modded, and it ran all sorts of horrible things that I couldn't really do anything about and trying to remove things made problems because nothing was modular. And so when we when we had a nano design, when we worked together to design it, one of the things that we did was we wanted to make sure it had security. We also wanted to make sure that it had the principles the the wiki like features because wikis were big and I liked to, I liked not having to remember all the HTML to actually write out my documents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had the, those two concepts was core to it. And so Dan and I worked and we created advanced articles, which later became Midget CMS. And after we found that name was taken, we, I, being in Spanish class, decided, okay, I translated it into a nano CMS. Wonderful. So how – so you, did you start from scratch on this or is this a fork of something else? The whole – the project started completely from scratch. We incorporated code from other projects, like originally the wiki render engine came from MediaWiki, but we took it out because uh, it doesn't work in PHP 5 very well at the time. So we wrote one from scratch later. And so over time, we just any parts that we took from other projects, we replaced with our own uh, for various reasons. Most of Anano's code is completely written from scratch. The stuff that isn't, is clear is documented and we have even the appropriate licenses in a nice little html file that looks all pretty and makes the distro makers hate our guts when we try to bring the package into the distros Hmm. so this is something i would use if i had say a small to medium-sized website and i wanted not to have to drive it from 
editing raw HTML files, but rather from going right to my web browser and adding pages. Oh yeah. Um, uh, also, if you're if you're doing a large site, I you could use it as well. But if you're doing it in a large site, I would recommend not using MySQL. It's, MySQL doesn't work too well that large, but it it works both well with both P MySQL and PostgreSQL. Um, I personally would say that it would go well with high load, medium sized sites, but it does very well with small sites as well. Uh, but are we still looking at just a single server with a single uh, database, or does it scale to have, say, multiple web servers talking to a common database? Um, it can. It can. Multiple websites, multiple nano instances, can go to a single database. Make sh but you know you have to do the proper prefix for the tables and stuff like that. But yeah, you could do that. Well, no, I mean, I mean, just simply driving it from multiple machines. Let's say you get enough traffic that uh, you—it's too much to handle for one instance of Apache. Uh, could you um, deal with multiple instances? Um, I don't, I don't think so. I, we haven't really done that, but we did incorporate support for content delivery networks. There's built-in support for that. You can add the URL for the CDN, and um, it will incorporate that into how it delivers content. Okay, so I have to play the devil's advocate here for a second because, uh, you know, as I was prepping for this show, I actually got comments back. Okay, oh, another CMS. Um, I want to have you properly defend what's distinct about your particular project that would make us look at that instead of, say, one of the more ones that we might be more familiar with. Uh, like Drupal or WordPress yeah, or whatever. All those. Um, yeah. One thing is that, unlike most of the other CMSs, a nano CMS was designed from the very, very beginning to be secure and 100% modular. You can even take out the, the core render engine, the display engine, and replace it with something else. As long as the API matched up and connected, the program would function. It was, it's totally modular, so you can do whatever you want to it. But it's also extremely secure. In fact, a nano is the only system I know of, and I've done a lot of searching to see if there was anybody else that did this, that uses the Diffie-Hellman and the HMAC uh, security s protocols that for login encryption. Hmm. And, and how is that used? Um, okay, so if you've, you've heard of SSH, you know how it uses the, where you type in the passphrase and it uses an encrypted si signal to connect and a handshake to create an encrypted connection. Mm -hmm. This does the same thing except it's only for the login side. It flips back. It uses over an unencrypted connection. It encrypts the login sequence so that a middle and a man attack can't figure out what your password is. It doesn't use just a regular hash. It does use a hash, but it encapsulates that with other stuff to make sure that it's very secure. It also supports one-time password protection keys like the YubiKey. Wait, are you, are you re-implementing all that in JavaScript or something? I mean, how is it encrypting it if you're not actually using the built-in SSL? Um, okay, the SSL thing you can also use. That's a different thing altogether. That's on the web server. Um, this is all being done through JavaScript and PHP. Uh, a lot of it is heavily assisted by the, by the PHP you know, uh, extensions that allow for C libraries to do complex math. Um, but there is also pure JavaScript uh, working on there to do it from the client side, the browser side. Okay, okay, I think I'm getting it. Uh... Okay, so you're saying you're distinct because you have a security uh, layout on that. Um, is, has this been reviewed by people who are secure experts? 
Um, we've... I'm not entirely certain about this because I haven't actually, you know, paid somebody to go and do it. But I ha security firms have contacted us in the past after reviewing the system and notifying us of security vulnerabilities. And in fact, this morning we... Or last night, rather. We patched a couple of vulnerabilities and pushed an update, uh, pushed a new release out. Uh, so it has, I guess it has been analyzed by Sakunia at least. Not sure if that's how you say the name. Uh, but they've at least looked at it. Uh, I don't know if there's been a formal, you know, analysis of the code base or not, but I don't know. Hmm. That that sounds uh, that sounds cool. I mean, so to um, almost back up a little bit. I mean, I don't want to labour this point, but you, we were talking. I do a lot of stuff with with Drupal, which is obviously another PHP CMS. So so if uh, anyone listening is familiar with Drupal, how would how would e, uh, Inano compare to that kind of thing? Okay, well, um, actually, when we first started working on Inano, I. Were, uh, tried to use Drupal, and at the time, Drupal had an absolutely horrific administration system. I don't know if it's as bad as it was then, it was like 2006, but it was really bad, and the organization just made me go crazy. And one of the things we did in Inano was we took a more logical approach to how to organize the administration panel. And it made it really easy for someone to be able to install the software, and then go through and configure it exactly how they need to. And really, there's not so much of a need for a, a guide or a book or something because all the instructions on how to handle everything is included in the administration panel as part of the descriptions and the items and stuff. Um, I would say the biggest differentiator between Drupal and Inano, because they're both equally modular, is the fact that Inano is internally better documented and a little bit more logically put together. Or at least hmm. that's what it was the last time I used it. Okay, yeah. I mean, I I can definitely um, agree with that because I mean, I I mean, I think you probably started using Drupal before I did. I started <laughs> using it in two thousand and seven. I think that was just as Drupal five was coming out. And um, yeah, the admin had some work to uh, to be done on it, and um, it's it's got a lot better now with Drupal seven. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Drupal, so let's move on. Um, I'm curious <laughs> to know what what kind of um, yeah, what what do people use Inano for? What's your kind of typical use case that you see people coming to you and saying, oh, we want to use it for X? Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, some people have, we have actually, while I don't actively try to keep track of who actually does stuff with the Nano, we've had people come to us from time to time asking what to do with the Nano. Um, I know that there's at least one group that's using it to manage their... Uh, Gaming LAN party stuff like that, and where mm. they have the, they use it as a wiki to show all the different lists, community oriented stuff like what games to play, what consoles and stuff, and they have their score tracking plugin that they made and they put it into the system so it keeps them live, tracking all the scores from the leaderboards. Um, I know there's at least two or three intranet ones. Uh, one of them is not public facing, and the other one is, and. A lot of smaller sites. I think there's even a Linux Foundation India site that seems to have a just a newly run installation of Inano. Not sure which version, but I just saw it a couple days ago when I did a search and I saw that uh, LinuxFoundation.in uh, had a Inano instance running. It was just brand new. Um, mm -hmm. So there's 
lots of, there's a bunch of different sites. It's easy to find sites that run in Nano, but um, we don't require people to keep the powered by a Nano string or any of the branding and stuff. But most people leave it in, so it's easy to find out if you want to know who's using it. Oh, that's cool. Because I, I was actually going to ask about large-scale installations and um, and so on. It's I mean, I would imagine Linux Foundation India is fairly big. I, I don't know. So you've got some fairly big sites using this. Does that cause any problems with scaling, um, you know, having to cache things? Do you have any cache, uh, caching things built in, or do you like to deal with that more on the server side through, you know, your web server, Apache, all that kind of stuff? A bit of both. Um in Nano itself, we recently added support for uh, content delivery networks, CDNs. Uh, it, within the administration panel, you can enter the information needed for a Nano to figure out the CDN and how to use it. Also, it supports for server-side compression for um, static pages, uh, cache content. It also does its own caching. Um, and the way it does caching makes uh, makes it so that Squid and stuff like that don't freak out like they do with some other CMSs I've seen. Um, mm. Like one time I saw a Drupal instance get horribly outdated by accident because a Squid instance reverted itself to an earlier uh, set of cache data, and it was weird. Um, and Nano does this by t- uh, avoids this by timestamping all the content and putting in intentional expiry into the uh, content header. So mm. that that's a nice problem that we don't have. So we do make it, we try to make sure that it can scale well. Um, for most projects, MySQL is what we recommend, but as with the latest versions of the Nano, we've added PostgreSQL, largely because of the uncertainty of MySQL last year. And mm. so people who have large, who want to do large-scale projects, I would recommend to use PostgreSQL because that's a bit lighter on the resources and can handle larger loads without crumbling. Hmm. Yeah, um, I, I know. Um, I know Randall's a big fan of Postgres. Um, so, uh, what about? I mean, you've already talked a lot about your focus on security and so on. Um, so, how do you deal with things like user management? Do you have groups for the different users and then privileges based on that kind of thing? So, if I'm an admin, I can do more than someone who's say just a, a moderator or something like that. Yes, we have actually, there's a fine-grained user access control system. I think it's one of the first of its kind for a, wiki, for a wiki-based system. It, it has fine-grained controls, and you can even create your own you know, user groups and set up controls for there to a very, uh, almost every single level. Um, you can even make it so technically the administrator's group is not an administrative group. It could lose its powers, uh, although I really would not recommend that. That's counterproductive. Um, but it shows that it's extremely flexible, and the you can even turn off wiki capabilities for user groups. That's very a very powerful feature, and I use it for one site that I do run in particular that uses a nano. Okay, that that, that does sound really cool. So you can only, you can do that within a page. You can almost you can do it you know, per page, per category, right. per group, per tag, or per user, or <laughs> at any level. It doesn't matter. Wow. You can do it. Okay, so you weren't kidding when you said it was granular. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's very cool. Um, so um, all that's built into the core system and so on then. So you mentioned that it is modular as well. So is there a community contributing modules and things that I could go and grab and install and, and so um, on? We have, a, we have a small, very, very small community right now because we're not very well known. But there is a, there are several modules you could download from... Um, the main website, there's an add-ons link at the top, and you can see the different add-ons that are available. 
And if you want to see it, any other things, you can head to our Mercurial repository where all of it's listed. Any new people who want to develop modules, they can, of course. If they're open source, we can even host it on our own system. We offer that mm -hmm. capability. Um, we've had a, a f we've also had somebody who was going to contribute in a Keysmet program uh, plugin, but unfortunately he disappeared from the face of the earth, and we couldn't we can't contact him. Oh, that's uh, a shame. Yeah, it is because a keys I don't a Keysmet would be very very nice to have. Mm. Yeah, so it, it definitely would, yeah, for, for uh, anti-spam and so on. So when you, um, as a, a user, say, I come to install this, I want to build a website, um, mm -hmm. how do I add modules and so on? And is there an easy way for me to do that, or do I need to oh, yeah. get a tarball, FTP it, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, you kind of have to do the tarball thing. Um, we mm -hmm. considered adding a, a web-based, web-uploading system so that you could install modules from that but then we realized that if we tried to do something like that it would create an un unclosable for lack of a better word security hole because mm. uh, if somebody were to s somehow gain administrative privileges and they were being malicious they could easily install a module that would allow them to override the access control system because it's very dangerous to install a module from the web-facing side. So we require that you upload the files into the Enano plugins folder. And then from there, you can install from the admin panel. It's easy. It's a couple of clicks. Hmm. Oh, that is really cool. And what about um, maintenance and so on? So is there an easy upgrade path for this? Is there, yes, is there an easy there is. way for me to upgrade? Yeah, you when you download the tarball and you re, you you can when you upload your files and to replace it, what happens is that you can when you load the web page, it will prompt you for any for a, a critical error, which is not really an error, but it'll say it's a critical error and says you need to upgrade the system. It will go through, check what needs to be changed, and upgrade it. Um, like for example, if the only thing that changed was the database scheme, it'll say database error. Is database versions don't match? Would you like to upgrade to fix it? And then, and then it goes through and upgrades it. Hmm. Um, if there's uh, if it's in a nano version has changed, then it will prompt you for the regular upgrade process. It won't do critical error. It'll just say a nano needs to be upgraded. Would you uh, click here to up sign in and upgrade? You have to be a, you have to use in the administrator account, of course, in order to do upgrades. Mm. So back from the beginning of the project, it sounded like this started as a couple of guys getting together saying we didn't like what's out there, and then uh, it's, it's grown from there. Uh, yeah. What happened right at the beginning? You mentioned uh, Dan, different name? No, Dave? Uh, Dan, Dan Fury. Um, he and I worked together on a, a different open source project called Experience UI. It was a way to make those fancy-looking um, install shield style installers the ones that had the colorful and dark blues and all that stuff mm -hmm. we made it we implemented it in the nullsoft scriptable install system an open source installer system for windows mm -hmm. and we were part of that project and he wanted he wanted to make a new website i was running a website and i was very unhappy with what i was using and we tried we looked at the alternatives they all sucked and so we came together made a new system and, and how did you set about designing this? I'm curious about the process when right at the beginning of projects. What, what did you have like a priority board? You figured, well, if we have these seven features, we can probably go live, and then with these twelve features, we'll add later. Or, or was it much more uh, uh, organic and ad hoc than that? 
initially it was like that, and then it became much more organic with me being the one that came up with spontaneous features and put them in. Um, but what it first started out was, as advanced articles, there were a few things that needed to be implemented. One, it needed to have a wiki core so that we, could, we didn't have to write HTML for all of our pages. Two, it needed to be themable. Three, it needed to have a decent administration panel. And four, it could integrate with other uh, pieces of software like PHP, BB, or something else fairly well. So mm -hmm. it had to be modular. And those four principles, along with the fifth inherent one of security, because uh, Dan and I were security freaks. Well, he's still a security freak. I've been a bit lax. I probably shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. But uh, um, we've been security freaks then, and so we made sure it was very secure. And uh, one of the things he – I think our project was one of the first to use SHA-256 hashes for passwords because mm -hmm. uh, most projects used MD5 hashes, which, uh, as most people know, are not as secure as, as SHA-1 or SHA-256 and can easily be broken within a couple of hours on most computers these days. And how long do you think you had to go in terms of both calendar and maybe in terms of hours you put in on it before you were sort of happy with the initial result and actually starting to feel like, hey, we're, something's actually coming together? Oh, God. Okay, this both Dan and I were in high school, so we were very, very bored. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we spent almost all of our free time uh, for about, let's see, we started in about March, I think. March of 06, and we spent about three or four months getting the initial prototypes done and revamping. And I think it was a, uh, about October okay. that we finally got to the 1.0 RC1. And that was when we felt we finally nailed what we wanted for a nano, and we proceeded to uh, do the release candidate thing and get to 1.0. And at that point, I said, we're changing our versioning scheme. This was horrible, and I can't keep up with this. Let's switch to the Linux kernel versioning scheme. <laughs> nice. And so we use, the, we use the odd XYZ pattern with the Y being odd for development versions and Y being even for release ver versions. Nice. So when, the, when one of the high school teachers asked you to write a report of what I did during my summer vacation, you said, well, I wrote a CMS. Yes. Uh, fortunately, my teachers have never asked me to write a, uh, an essay about what I did over the summer because I was absolutely horrible at writing essays back then. I only really got good at it once I started my first year of college, which was two years ago. So you get, out, you get online, you, you start sharing this out there. Did, did, was there what, what, when was the first additional installation past that first release? Let's see. Aside from mine, I think you want me to exclude my own. Um, sure, yeah. yeah. There was this guy named Vaddy who uh, ran this small one-man shop, and he he became a, a contributor for a short period of time, and he used Inano for, I think, four of his sites, and he was he helped us a lot with that outsider point of view usability testing. And once he left, I felt, okay, I needed to take up that mantle until we find somebody else. So I started becoming more hands-off with the with the actual development pace and starting to try to think as more of an outsider to try to get a better perspective on the software. I think it's helped us out because uh, in 1.0, we had an absolutely ugly default theme. One of the things we changed for this new series was that we had a brand new theme for the default that didn't look ugly as sin. <laughs> okay, and how, 
how are so you say some of the ideas you're coming up with are sort of your own looking at sort of what's out there is that the typical source for what drives the development direction or are there a lot of in- inputs from people who are also using the system um people that use the system as well will also suggest it to us in fact um uh, the PostgreSQL support thing was a suggestion from somebody else. Um, although after that, I suggested we should add some more databases. So we redid the, so the database layer was redone so that we could add more modules later if we wanted to to add more database support. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see. One, some of the major features that I helped put together, put in there, was the new theme, um, multi, uh, mul- more language support. It's fully Unicode capable now, and it supports right-to-left languages, not that we've got any other languages in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like it if we got some more languages, but that's not going to happen for a while, I guess. Um, let's see. Uh, I pushed Dan to put in the YubiKey feature. Um, something that came from somebody else was changing... Uh, adding a, a way to do secure handshakes. That wasn't our idea originally. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else. Mm, oh, yes. Uh, being able to um, rest- to take out the elements that made it show up, the login, win- the login links and all those things on the navigation bar, uh, it's now actually totally optional for a theme to have those permanently visible. Uh, that was a feature from somebody who wanted to make a corporate site. Uh, he did invent- eventually make it, and then what he did was that after his database system, and he didn't have as much money, so he exported the whole system and started using static pages. Mm. But originally it was a nano-based, and he made a corporate site using it, and he asked us to make it possible for themes to not require uh, the the navigation bar that shows all the toolbox, the user information, the user page, IP address, and all those things all the time. Mm. So it only shows it when you're logged in. So that way, a corporate site looks like any other corporate site. Hmm, interesting. Uh, so it sounds like uh, it's a two-person company right now, unless you've, there's a lot of other people working on it. But it's like you're the marketing group and Dan is the engineering group. Is, are there other people that are also working on this on a regular basis that you'd consider part of the core team? Um. Last year we had one uh, one other person named Firox. Never did get to find out his real name, but <laughs> yeah. this is the uh, internet. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but he 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 disappeared early this year, so I haven't heard from him since. Then you're there not was, you're not concerned about all these people disappearing around you. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I I got it too hard, then I start getting worried and panicky. So no, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> But uh, you don't see a lot of unmarked vans around when you're, when you're around. <laughs> uh, actually, I do get kind of creeped out by all the unmarked cars that keep showing up in front of me. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but in, we had we had some we had a couple more people, but um, uh, for real life reasons or something else altogether, they dropped out of sight uh, either last year or this year. Mm-hmm. But um, most of the project through it was the two of us. And I say we did pretty well, all things considered, because, you know, unlike most one- or two-man projects, our, our project's not an incomprehensible mess that can only be used by us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it actually works fairly well because I usually take the perspective of somebody who doesn't know anything about anything, and I evaluate it during my QA as a part of that. So I do usability testing as well. So how much and, uh, of the core of this is not Dan and not you? Then have you had a bunch of small and big patches to extend the functionality? 
We've had a lot of small patches, and I think there was a couple of big patches. I know Firox was the one that contributed a lot of the Postgres SQL code. A lot of the Postgres and the and the revamp of the database layer was contributed by him. Um, hmm. Other than that, no, it's been mostly us. We we've we've made it easy for other people to contribute, but since our project isn't very well known, nobody's really stepped up that much. Hopefully, you know, this podcast and other things that I've been doing will help make us become more visible. It's kind of hard in the CMS world to be more visible than to, to be a little bit more visible so people consider you instead of Drupal or WordPress or something else like that. Exactly. Hey, earlier you had a comment about uh, stay away from MySQL. I'm probably misquoting you there, but what was the gist of that? Why are you uh, dissing MySQL at this point? Not that I'm disagreeing, but... No, 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 no. I'm not... Okay. Um, <laughs> MySQL, MySQL is okay if you're doing small or medium projects, but at a large pro- with large projects... Um, my own testing with the Nano and MySQL has shown that it doesn't really scale all that well when I you have a project that's got more that's so large that the database is literally a hundred or so megabytes in size. Hmm. And yes, it took a lot to come up with that much data. I basically had to pull a section of Wikipedia and push it in there. That was not fun because I had to import that. Um, but the my testing had shown that um, if you're you, doing a large website that you want it to be scalable and you want it to, you know, be accessible by a lots and lots and lots of users without it, you know, crashing under the strain, I would recommend Postgres over MySQL. Now, MySQL may, if you have an optimized build of MySQL, I, it wouldn't matter. You could use that for large-scale projects. Um, there's nothing on the Inano side that particularly prevents uh, MySQL from being used for large projects. Um, it's just that MySQL itself is not well suited for it. You know, I, I can already hear uh, ten thousand of my listeners screaming at the, the their pod <laughs> machine right now uh, because they they have all. I, I've heard people over and over again defend MySQL as being the thing that scales, as opposed to say Postgres or SQLite or any of those other choices. So, is there any hint of glimmer of what it is you've discovered that make you unique here? Uh, what do you mean? I, I don't know. I'm just saying. I hear. I, I, I'm hearing many people in my head screaming already, saying, "No, no, no! My SQL scale is just fine. We run huge uh, websites on um, it." Um, it, it's. I guess it's because of all the uh, the the large amount of mathematical and string data that's stored in MySQL. Um, strings. I don't. I don't know exactly what MySQL does because I'm not. I'm not a DBA. I, I do not I do not profess to know how databases work at at such a dark, deep and dark level, but you know just by looking at the performance on my testing machines, when I load that much data and I attempt to log in using the various methods and edit lots of data at a time, MySQL do, performs slower than Postgres, it, uh, noticeably slower. I don't know why, but it does. Okay, okay. Well, I, I just had to ask the question because, you know, I'm going to be getting email on this for like the next month now. I just wanted um, to make sure that I at least heard yeah, it from you. I, I know, I know. <laughs> it, it, uh, every time I bring it up to people say, no, 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 MySQL it can do everything. And I'm, no. Okay. Hey, even the MySQL people, the people that made MySQL have said outright that it's not intended for very large projects, only for small and medium size 
Okay, I'm and so glad you said that instead of me. I could never get away with saying that. I'd be taking a task for that entirely. Um, uh, actually, I was sort of curious about the other end of it, though. Have you uh, have you had uh, patches that make it work with SQLite? Have you had a really lightweight uh, site? Um, we've tried to do it. Um, the thing is that SQLite actually is missing a couple of SQL commands that make it possible for Anana to work. Um, I think it's uh, certain types of joins and stuff like that. So without it, uh, SQLite doesn't, uh, NNO cannot function on SQLite. I, oh, would that's too bad. Like, I would certainly like it to because SQLite is perfect for almost any size. It's very efficient and it's very small, but it just doesn't work because it purposely uh, disregards portions of the SQL 92 standard. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the input to the development process. Uh, what's your uh, what's your production process like? Do you have people doing beta testing with you, or do you have a long beta release, or do you immediately or just do that all in private and then boom, here, out comes a new version? No, no, no. Uh, well, we have all releases, even before they're tested, are pushed up to Mercurial. So in a way, they're instant releases, but they're not pushed to the website until after three things happen. Mm-hmm. One. I test on my s series of like 20 or so virtual machines and two physical machines. Two, um, it is tested on at least one or two production sites. And in fact, I've got one production site where I do this uh, testing on. And three, uh, one dude outside of the project take, tries it and sees if, there's any, uh, sees if there's anything wrong. And once that's done, uh, I go and make all the releases. I'm also the release manager mm -hmm. for most of the bundled stuff like the Bitnami modules and uh, and the packages If we once we've got those up and stuff like that. I've been handling the Bitnami project package uh, module thingy. Actually, I was the one that developed, one of the ones that developed the very first Bitnami module that was developed outside of the Bitnami project. And... Uh, there's, of course, the ones that we have that are on NIMS' own website, the ones that don't use uh, Bitnami's own system. And we have the Windows package, and we have the stuff that makes it work on IIS and stuff like that. All of that stuff is a result of my work and testing. I've uh, put in pre-configured web config files to make it work on IIS. I've put instructions on how to set it up from the package for the RPM that, I'm, that I have up for review on for Fedora and stuff like that. Mm. So um, I'm curious about the packaging side of things. You, you mentioned kind of earlier on in a comment uh, something to do with the some of the distro makers and stuff, Linux distro makers, I should say, um, were a bit infuriated by some of the things that you've done. So how many, how many distros are you kind of packaged in, and what challenges does that present to you? Well, <clears throat> one of the biggest problems is that since we're a web package, like most web packages, we have everything in a, in one small package. Um, distro makers like to have the library separate, separated out cleanly, which we cannot do. Now, the reason they're infuriated with us is because we actually document our, what we've incorporated in our code. Mm. And as a result, they actually can accuse us of incorporating external libraries and actually have something to back it up. And so it's a stone, it's something that, it's a brick wall kind of thing. Every time I've tried to push to get a package incorporated, um, the uh, reviewer says, no, you've got to find a way to get rid of these big libraries that you've got in here. And I said, well, I can't. I mean, they're integrated. They've been modified. If I took them out and put them separate, well, nobody else can use them. So 
So mm. over the course of the last year, our biggest focus has been removing external libraries. Um, mm. a, few a few weeks ago, we removed TinyMCE from the core and made a plugin. So hopefully that will let Fedora finally let us put our package in there. <laughs> Um, right. Okay. So it sounds like you're almost too honest for your own good, shouldn't you? You should yeah. just tell it, lie and say it's not in there. Yeah. No, I'm not yeah. advocating that. In case <laughs> well, advocating it, since, our, since our system also allows you to do command line based installation and automated installation, um, some of the distros were asking us to uh, incorporate a, include a basic sample script. So I did that. I put it in a text file and showed them, and included instructions on how to create an automated script to install. A nano multiple times over, uh, mm. if you wanted to do that. Oh, that's cool. So, um, I mean, I, I know this is a difficult question to answer, but what uh, what do you know? How many distros you're in, or you're in you're in the major ones like Ubuntu? You mentioned Fedora has been a bit of a problem. How about Debian and so on? Um, I've been I've submitted I did submit a package I think a year ago to Ubuntu, and I think it's still dead. Uh, because I haven't heard from them. I did make a Debian package, and I published it on the OpenSUSE build repository system, and I did make a copy, and I put it on the website. I just don't remember if I put it, left it there after we moved to the new version and restored a backup after we upgraded our the server. Mm. Um, but the RPM is uh, currently in review on Fedora. It's in the Bugzilla. If you search for a nano, you can find it. Um, I hope that uh, my renewed efforts and the fact that we finally stripped out TinyMC, which was the largest and biggest offender to them, uh, hopefully they'll finally let our package in. And after I'm done with Fedora, I'll renew my focus and get it incorporated into Debian and uh, SUS and all the rest. Hmm. Cool. Uh, well, I, I, obviously it's uh, it's a bit of a, a challenge to get it in all those distributions, but I'm sure you'll be uh, successful in, uh, over time. Um, I'm, I'm just curious about the, the programming side of it. It's written in PHP, then? It's all in PHP? You mentioned PHP 5 before. Is that, yeah, is that the version I need to support this? Yes. And Nano 1.1 is requires PHP 5.2 or greater to mm. work absolute uh, to work at optimal level it works with at least php 5.0 but 5.2 is what we recommend because there are some things that act kind of funny in older versions of php um we were we went with the go php 5 initiative that was like two years ago and part, one of the things we did as a result of being in that initiative was that we made in nano 1.1 completely php 5 re reliant we removed all the php 4 compatibility cruft um, the only thing that has PHP 4 compatibility is the installer, and that's so it can detect that you're not running PHP 5. <laughs> so do you do unit testing on, on uh, during development? Do you do unit testing to kind of iron out any bugs and things? I mean, I know there are always bugs somewhere, but, you know, it kind <laughs> right, of helps. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, uh, when the code base was smaller, we did unit testing. Um, nowadays, I don't think we do it quite so much. Uh, I... What I do is something I've called aspect testing, where I, once a function is imp code is implemented code and put into the code base, I will use it and I will try everything I can think of to break it, and that will be for this feature and all the features that are affected by it. So an aspect mm. instead of just that particular unit of code. Um, so I can also see the I also code against uh, check against the relationships of the code. I know that's mm. not as great as unit testing, but uh, with our unit testing 
thing kind of fell by the wayside some time ago. So I do with what I uh, can. I guess at some point we could start using unit testing again, but it would take a hell lot of work to put together everything we need. Mm. Yeah, so you'd probably, yeah, you might need more resources for that. Um, that, that. That's cool. So I wanted to ask a little bit about the, the licensing as well. So what license is in Nano Under and what made you choose that license? Okay. Um, originally, the very first versions of advanced articles were GPL version 2 only. Um, as, we, as, we grew old, as we grew our project and we ourselves grew older and the GPL 3 thing was starting to you know, become a controversy. What we decided mm. to do was that we made a GPL two plus, so and GPL version two or greater. The whole mm. project is under that. Um, now, the individual components that are still cleanly separated out, with the we have a page that lists their licenses and exactly what conditions they're under with the copy of their respective licenses. And like the icon pack that we've included in there, it's under the Creative Commons share alike license, unported. Very and cool. So we, we try to preserve the license. The only time we've ever actually explicitly rechanged the license is that, or not rechanged, uh, we've explicitly changed the license is when code was under public domain because my cursory research showed that there are some countries in Europe and Asia where public domain is prohibited. So that code is actually illegal to use because you can't give up your moral rights. Mm. And a public domain. Uh, anything under public domain, you give up all rights. So you're not allowed to do that in countries like France. So we Germany, decide... I think. Does Germany have a problem with this? I've heard that before. I think they did. I'm not sure if they still do, because they've done a lot of weird licensing law changes since that uh, lawsuit where the GPL was validated. Um, but yeah, the public domain code in Europe is kind of iffy so what we did was that we relicensed everything to GPL2 plus if it's in public domain very cool very cool hey um so is there is there a, if other people want to get involved with this is there a backlog of things we'd like to put in but just don't have the resources to do anywhere public that I could see um we do have a we do have an issue tracker on Google code okay um and we do have some tasks laid out there we also have from our 2010 uh, Google Summer of Code application, some tasks that we have not done that we would mm -hmm. like to have done. And if some people want to contribute to the project, they could come to our IRC channel, Pound a Nano on uh, Freenode, mm -hmm. um, or they can contact us by email on our contact page on the contact page. Or something, or on the forums, we have a forums. Though it's not integrated into Nano, unfortunately, um, we have a forums, and you can contact us from there, and we'll we can help you figure out what you want to do. But you can also you can look at our Google Co Code 2010 application and see what ideas we had put up. Some of the stuff is still not done, and you can look at our issue tracker where we've got a couple of things that are not done. We'd like somebody to come and help us with. Sounds like one of the tasks would be integrate a forum into a nano. That actually is one. The other one is <laughs> a planet and a blog system. Okay. <laughs> no blog system yet? Wait, how can you call yourself a CMS without a way to do blogs? We do have a blog system. It's just horribly incomplete. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Great fair. Answer. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, where do people come out uh, to go find out about this? What's the URL? Um, you can go to inanocms.org um, 
and you can to find our contact information, mm-hmm. you can go to the bottom of the page and there'll be a link that says the Nano CMS team. You can click on that mm-hmm. and you'll find contact information for all the team members. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also go to, if you go to the top of the page and go to support, you can go to the forums or you can go straight to the forums at forum.nanocms.org. Mm-hmm. And the final way is, you know, through IRC. Um, on Freenode, our IRC channel is pound or hash Enano, E-N-A-N-O. And just look for Conan Kudo, that'd be me, or mm-hmm. uh, Fury with the F U with the, the the bracket H under in brackets R Y, his the H is silent in his name, so he puts it <laughs> like that. And it and I always have to remember that because I always want to say Fury, and it's actually Fury. <laughs> okay, yeah, don't, don't get those mixed up. That would be really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, so, and my my fans demand that I ask Emacs or Vim or Vi, whatever it is. I'm an Emacs user. I swear. Yay! By- <laughs> Yay, one from my side. Yay. All right. Dan's, <laughs> and, uh, a, Dan's a Vim, Vim guy. <laughs> and, okay, well, that's right. So it evens out. And uh, your favorite scripting language? Oh, okay. My favorite scripting language. Um, let's see. And, Aside from NSIS, I would have to say that my favorite scripting language would have to be... Now, I know I'm. people are going to hate me for saying this. Go ahead. But Windows Batch. No! Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh well, it's, it's it's so bad that we're going to lose the tape from this show. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I like both. I like Windows Batch and uh, Unix Bash equally. But Windows Batch, I'm a lot more familiar with because when I started on computers, my dad was a cheap, and he had this IBM PCXT that the university gave him after he got his tenureship, and that was the computer I used up until I was seven, and right. so I grew up on DOS 3.3. Yep, yep, yep. Very cool. Hey, uh, also, did we leave anything out? Is anything else you want to tell our audience before we let you go? Yes. One truth prevails. (laughs) I just have to say that. (laughs) I have no idea what that means. It must be some inside joke, but I'm just going to let it go right on by me there because that's (laughs) all I know how to do. All (laughs) righty. Well, uh, uh, Neil, it's been really great having you on the show, and uh, thank you for coming on, talking about your project, and I hope people will be inspired to go find out some more about it. All right. Thank you. And... One thing I hope people do, somebody's got to come and bring more languages. We want people to translate. So if there's anybody that's bilingual, English, some other language, we'd love to have you come. That's one of the things we really want. And thank you, uh, Randall Schwartz, for letting mm-hmm. me come on to the show. And uh, Dan Lynch, I think, was the other guy. Uh, yeah, the other guy, yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> other guy. Uh, thank you also. Well, thanks for coming on the show. No that problem. was. Uh, that was uh, Neil Gompa, who uh, works with the Nano CMS project. Inan, Inano, I, you know, I, I should have paid attention to my Spanish, I guess. Uh, Dan, what do you think? Yeah, it was it was really interesting. I think um, I think like like you, Randall, I got a lot of these comments this week from people saying, "Oh, not another CMS," <laughs> um, and I thought, you know, I think that's a little harsh sometimes because um, you know, there's no one way of doing something, and who's to say that somebody hasn't discovered another great way of doing something? If we all sat back and said, you know, well, somebody's already done that, I shouldn't bother, then we'd never find better ways of doing things. So I think it's interesting to find out about this, and I was I was intrigued by the. Um, the user management stuff and the way you can kind of, you know, layer your um, access in, in, within pages as well. That's very cool. 
Yeah, yeah, I think I think he's he's onto something there. And I, I, first off, I just got to say I appreciate his youth. You know, I started really young too. I didn't start seven. Uh, he's got me on that one. But uh, but you know, it's it's mm. I did start very very young. And of course, back then, back in the steam powered computer days, it wasn't quite as easy to have your dad's PC sitting out there in the workshop. So uh, I appreciate that sort of thing, and just just the energy that he brings to the project. He was really excited talking about it, and it sounds like uh, he's he's in it for the long haul, trying to get more people involved with this and. You know, it's mm. got some great ideas to go with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, I, I think um, I'm going to go and have a look at uh, eNano and see what it's all about because uh, I'd like to know. I, you know, I, I like to try and try, uh, try out these different things. And, uh, yeah, and it sounds like they do need help as well. So if, uh, as uh, Neil was saying, if you want to get involved, you want to help them out because I think that's a big challenge in any new project is to find people, but particularly in an area where people think there's already other things established like Drupal and so on. And so they might say, you know, I'm not as interested. So, if you have any interest in learning about CMSs and so on, then you should you should go and help them out because that's what open source thrives on. Yeah, and it sounds like he's right at that stage where it's sort of critical mass time. You know, he it's sort of sink or swim at this point where he's got to get enough people on there to keep having enthusiasm for helping develop it for other people. And because uh, you know, you, you're it's okay to be your own customer, but really after a while you start thinking, gee, you know, I could just use Drupal for this. You know, so you have to have enough critical mass to say, oh, this is really good. Other people like this, and I want to keep using that. Mm. So. Yeah, so he sounds like uh, like the right place for him to have come chatted with us on this show. I appreciate that, having him on. Well, as I said at the beginning of the show, I just got back from Brazil, uh, just flew in Friday, and boy, are my arms tired. Um, And uh, it was really a lot of fun. I went to Fizzly down there, which is a 7,000 attendee show. Uh, I gave my talk uh, on uh, Lessons Learned from Floss Weekly. And in fact, uh, we did uh, episode 173 last week. We actually got to take the video that I shot at that show and put it into the feed. And uh, Dan, did you get a chance to watch that? Yeah, I, I'm afraid I haven't seen all of it yet, but I did check it out. They did a really good job with the video, uh, I thought, the, the guys down there at the conference, because that's something that I'm sure you'll know better than me. You don't always get a good recording when you, when you speak at a conference, if a recording at all. Yeah, absolutely. The audio was great. The video uh, kept cutting back and forth between me in the corner that's me in the corner. Yeah, there's me in the corner. And then the whole mm-hmm. slides behind me are just the slides. If it, if it was clearer to make it work that way. Uh, great feed for the slides and everything. So it wasn't like them shitting the camera at a projector, which I have seen done so many times on these conference videos. So it's really professionally done. If you haven't listened to last week's show, I really recommend you go back and check it out, 173. And the thing I really liked about coming up with the idea and, and, and developing it is that there really have been some remarkable themes in the shows that we've done through the years now here of how to make an open source project successful, how to get a community involved, uh, what you have to do to keep maintaining that community, uh, how, how good or evil forks are, uh, how to have different communication mechanisms to communicate with your community and things like that. And I was glad that I was able to sort of like summarize that. And I, the other thing that was really fun was coming up with the 10 best uh, shows and uh, in each of the categories of people-based shows and project-based shows. Were there any, did you get to that point in the video? Did you, were any surprises I for you there? I didn't know. I didn't. We were obviously number one, though, weren't we? Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, every show where the co-host came on was automatically in that people list. I had to do that yeah. to be politically correct. But it's um, yeah, funny, though, because Aaron complained that the two shows that he would, did weren't on the two project shows list. But I figured we already had the show where he was a person, so it didn't, didn't matter. But, uh, mm-hmm. no, I had a great time putting that together. Now, not only did I get to do it at Fizzlay, which is the video and audio that you heard last week's show, but uh, I was asked by SurPro, which is the government uh, 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 arm of uh, so the federal government level, they have an arm that's specifically responsible for data processing, and the local open source advocate in Rio, where I was the following week, 
asked me to give a live presentation there. So I got to do it again for an entirely different audience, mostly government audience, but that also is up live. I'm, I'll put a link to it uh, sometime soon. I don't have the actual link there. Actually, you, you, you've, if you've read the Floss Weekly feed, it's actually in the Floss Weekly feed for the, uh, the Twitter and stuff. Uh, but you can see me give it a, the whole talk again, except I gave it in the same hour, but I had to wait for the Brazilian translator to translate his line. So I speak something, then you hear it in Brazilian, then I speak another thing and hear it in Brazilian, and it still took an hour. Uh, by the way, uh, I spoke so fast on the first presentation that the, I kept getting notes from the Brazilian translators. Slow down! Because they're trying to simultaneous translation. I'm already speaking quickly, so that was a lot of fun. Um, so that was a lot of fun to do. Uh, I also did a small talk dojo there. A dojo is where programmers get together and take a task and work on it together, maybe with some presentation ahead of it. First time I've ever done that. I did that for the Rio uh, Dojo group. And uh, I did a presentation on Smalltalk, and we solved a problem called FizzBuzz, and it was really fun to work through it together. We got further with my presentation on that problem than they'd gotten in any other language before that, including Java, JavaScript, C++, Perl, Python. So I take that as a bit of a push for Smalltalk, so that was a lot of fun, too. Um, let's see. So talk about upcoming guests. There's my awkward transition for that. I always have an awkward transition. I got to find the tab here, though. Next week, we have... Um, Paul Beckingham, Federico Hernandez, talking about Task Warrior. That's a to-do manager, a command line to-do manager. So add this task at priority three. has to be done before Friday, that sort of thing. Really interesting looking. It's all command line based. Maybe they have some graphics versions of it now, but I want it's going to be really interesting managing that. Following week, uh, 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 Simon Phipps and I are going to be doing the live show from OSCON. Now, I don't know whether we've got a guest yet, but uh, we'll know within the first two days of being there. But I'll be at OSCON. Simon's going to be at OSCON. And I, I think we actually have the time slot right during the opening keynote, so we have to get somebody we can drag away from that. But we did that really successfully last year. We heard actually about Rack, uh, Rackspace's uh, OpenStack announcement right there, and it was the same day that they announced it for the rest of the world. So we actually had a scoop on that. We're really looking forward to that sort of thing happening in this year. You never know, though. A lot of other people on the short list. I just want to point out a couple more that are sort of interesting. We have Jonathan Ellis coming in talking about Cassandra, which is the... Uh, high-performance NoSQL database, sort of the original one that's inspired a lot of the other ones. We also have Chris Moore coming on talking about PCBSD, which is the uh, uh, version of BSD that's really designed for desktop installation with a simplified installer, lots of graphic installer, instead of the sort of command line stuff that the previous one had done. Other people also, if you go to twit.tv slash floss, you can see a link there to our upcoming guest list. If you have a project that's not on that list, please email the project leader and have the project leader email me. You can either use my complex uh, email name of merlin at stonehenge.com, or if it's easier to remember, you can send it to floss at twit.tv. That also gets to me. No problem with that. Uh, both of those reach me directly. Um, was, speaking of that, you can also follow Floss Weekly on both Identica and Twitter. And uh, we announce all the guests as they're being booked. We also announce this week's guests so that you can find out who's coming up this week. And I try to also send an announcement a uh, half hour, an hour before the show to remind you that we're doing our live show, which we do at 9.30 a.m. on Wednesday, specific time, and some ungodly later hour in the U.K. <laughs> I never know the math on that. Uh, you can also follow me, Merlin, uh, on Twitter and Identica to find out what I'm doing, including what I'm eating for lunch and things like that. Uh, I'm also now on Google+. Plus, So if you've gotten into the whole Google+, Plus craze, I'm starting to interact with that. Uh, I haven't posted much there yet. There's a couple of notes just to kind of try it out. But uh, if you look for Randall L. Schwartz there, you'll find me, and uh, please uh, add me or follow me there. Um, one more plug for me, and then we'll let you get going, Dan. Uh, Starshipsofa.com. I've talked about this before in previous shows. I'm a narrator for this uh, podcast that has an hour or two-hour-long show every week. 
And they're doing apparently an upcoming show that's going to be really interesting. Uh, it's a live show on July 23rd. You should have plenty of time to sign up for this free uh, on holodeck time travel. I, I don't know all the details of it, but it sounds fascinating. And yes, I will be getting back to doing some more narrating. Yes, Tony, I'm going to be doing this. I got the big blue Yeti now. Going back to doing some more narrating now that I'm with me. Uh, uh, one last plug. I was just interviewed for Paul.com. It's Paul, P-A-U-L-D-O-T-C-O-M. If you Google for that, uh, they interviewed me about my life in general, about my legal case, about Pearl versus Shell and all sorts of things. There's a video that's already, the link's already been posted to a couple places. But if you get, it's, all, it's, based, it's a security-based uh, podcast. So they talk a lot about security and legal issues and stuff. And they invited me on to be doing that. That's all the plugs I want to give for me. Dan, what are we plugging for you today? Uh, well, I, I was going to say, actually, it's, it's fortunate that you mentioned Google+, Plus because um, I'm on one of the people on there at the moment as well, testing it out. So if you want to find me on there, you can search for Dan Lynch. Um, I'm not really sure how it's dealing with the fact that uh, there are mil- probably thousands of people called Dan Lynch on there. Um, I don't know how they differentiate, but if a picture comes up and you see a guy wearing a red hat, fedora... And uh, holding a guitar, that would be me. And uh, you can add me there. Um, also, you can go to danlynch.org if you um, if you want to uh, have a look at all the stuff I'm up to. Uh, I'm testing GNOME 3 at the moment, or GNOME 3, uh, on Fedora 15. So uh, I have some thoughts on that and uh, the big changes that are going on on the Linux desktop there um, mm-hmm. and whether I can get used to them or not or whether I'm going to be stuck in you know some older window manager because I think I'm, maybe I'm getting too old for all these new window managers. Uh, but, yeah, that's going to be fun. Obviously, check out... Linux Outlaws. If you uh, if you head to LinuxOutlaws.com, you can uh, you can find all the information there about the the show. Where we have a weekly show where we have interviews, all kinds of things um, with people in the uh, not just about Linux, but also about other things in the open source world. And uh, yeah, and you can keep up with all that. And uh, just head to uh, DanLynch.org where you can find my Twitter identica details. And and soon I'll put the Google Plus once they've got a I don't know if they've got a widget or a badge yet, but I'll put that on the website as well, so you can find me on there. Yes, uh, and I listen to Linux Outlaws every week. It's a fascinating show for me. You, you did a great show a couple weeks ago on, was it Bitcoin? Oh, yes, yeah, Bitcoin. Great, yeah. yeah. Um, mm, I was going to say, actually, um, uh, this is probably not the time to do it, but I was going to say we should really talk about Bitcoin on Floss Weekly at some point in the future, maybe try and get mm-hmm. someone from the project on, because I think people will find that really interesting. We could take the original guy and put him behind some sort of mask so you couldn't see him. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Like, a, and speak with a voice. Like, <laughs> right? That'd be kind of weird. <laughs> this guy is now a witness protection program for various reasons. Definitely. Well, Dan, it's always a pleasure having you as the co-host spot here, and appreciate it even when you're co-hosting when I'm not here because I'm. We've really worked hard. I worked hard at least. To, we've all worked hard to make sure this, this show stays weekly, even with my crazy travel schedule. So I appreciate you stepping in, even when I can't be here. No problem. Always a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Very good. Very good. Well, I hear the music coming up, so that must be my cue. It's time to say goodbye. So I'll see you all again next time on Floss Weekly.